0: Welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and the producer of this podcast, Sarah Torri. This is the first part of my conversation with Chope Mustafa Rahmani about working at a large Swedish furniture company's legacy system that was built in 1985. We discussed the challenges of still working with this system, why it hasn't been fully replaced, and how the efforts of moving some of the logic to other systems with better designs have been for him and his team. We talked about ways to get other team members, and at times the management onboarded, on using cutting-edge patterns, tools, and technologies, as well as the learnings that came along with it. I hope you enjoy our conversation and please do join me for the second part in the next episode when we talk more about how Axon products have helped Chopin and his team in their efforts to move to faster and more reliable systems, as well as the topic of communication in large teams. Now let's have a listen. Hi, Chopin. Thank you so much for joining me today and uh, welcome to the show. Could you please introduce yourself to everybody and uh, tell me a little bit about your background?
1: Hi, Sarah. Thank you for uh, inviting me to this podcast. Um, so uh, my name is Chope, as you mentioned, and um, I have been working as a software engineer for, let's call it a global company, um, uh, mainly working with retail. And um, um, they're quite famous in, in uh, the furniture uh, area. Uh, but, uh, I think we can kind of mm, describe the company a bit more as we go along. Um, but my background has been in various kind of roles. I've been working as a CTO in a startup, uh, and had various roles such as scrum master project manager, uh, various test engineer roles, um, Software engineer roles, and um, and now lately, I just call myself software engineer, software engineer uh, without awesome. no tags and names.
0: Yeah, I know. Sometimes they get a, a bit confusing, and t- too many. Um, I guess uh, responsibilities come in, and you're kind of like, which which hat do I put on, and what do I call myself? So that's that's totally cool, software engineer. And I think um, you have done a lot of work in terms of the um, design of various systems and sort of uh, having the role of an architect in m- many situations as well is that correct
1: that's correct yes mm-hmm. so um so yes so lately i mean lately i'm going back maybe 12 years i've mm-hmm. mainly worked as a software architect uh, in various levels um, as a solution architect domain architect transformation architect it technology architect There's many architects. Um,
0: (laughs) So you've done them all. (laughs) I've done them all. Fantastic. So in um, this particular um, company that you've been working for uh, some time now, um, there is a um, main system that actually takes care of uh, one of the biggest um, business-related aspects of the company. Uh, And I'll let you talk more about that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what, this uh, one big system does uh, and or maybe it's I think it's one application I think it's a monolith right that's been running since the 80s Um, it's obviously a legacy system and um, can you tell everybody a little bit about um, how this application is uh, being used within this retail organization what does it do and has it been working flawlessly and um, so just kind of a little bit of background and Hmm? general information.
1: Sure. Um, So, uh, to be accurate, there is, mm, I think, four systems in play right now as of today. Um, So in 1985, uh, somebody had an idea. Let's use technology Um, for solving a problem. uh, Usually you would throw people at it and spreadsheets and paper, right? Yeah. So back then, computers, personal computers were not mainstream. So... Um, it was a bleeding edge idea uh, to use computers to solve. Um, basically, what we're dealing with here is order management. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company was growing quite rapidly, and they wanted to uh, be able to scale. And uh, then they kind of went into um, solving the problem by reaching out to various vendors and so on. And somebody came up with the idea to use software. Mm -hmm. So then they built this uh, first embryo of an order management system, creating orders, stock management, and a bunch of things like that. Um, The uh, specific kind of uh, OS back then for this was VMS, which is a very awkward one. Um, Doesn't have a file system the way you would think a normal file system works. Uh, It has uh, basically an iterative... Um it's just a flat structure of files, doesn't have uh, any depth to it. and yeah, it's, it's a bit complicated. But anyhow, the the solution has been there and it has been adding,, uh, features have been added since then. until today, people have wow. been adding uh, <laughs> new features to it. At some point, yeah it was written in Pascal. And then uh, I think in 10 years ago, uh, this was converted to C with some conversion tool. And since then it's been growing. Okay. The, there was multiple attempts to kill it off. Um, so, <laughs> and they all failed. Um, and what they instead did was they add more complexity. So let's call this system a, and, um, System A uh, has been there since
0: 1985.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, joined uh, uh, this company uh, around 2006. And there was a new uh, idea that we should replace this with the .NET solution. .NET mm-hmm. was new in 2003, 2000 uh, era. And uh, mm-hmm. we need to do a modernization. Uh, We need to go away from the prompt uh, look or feel of the application that this one had. System A was basically a DOS prompt. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we need to make it more clickable Um, so it looks nice and so on. So we started building that 2003. I joined uh, on the actual project 2006. And Mm -hmm. um, since then, the, the main idea of that project that was started 2006 was to replace uh, the system A from 1985. And mm-hmm. uh, same, same process repeated 2016, where we tried to replace the system that we built 2003. Uh, yeah. And now I, I am in a, another project, which is trying to replace them all. Uh, and, okay it yeah. seems
0: like it's every decade you go back to it and you're like can we just kill this thing can, can we for just kill one last thing? time <laughs> right it's not happening so,
1: no it's, <laughs> it's not happening and it, it is um i mean it's it's been carved out uh so if you look at the 1995 solution it was doing order management returns a whole bunch of things and activities around uh uh, the sales, uh, the stock, mm-hmm. uh, the um, procurement, uh, CRM. It was like uh, SAP and uh, or Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics plus order management plus all the things, everything in one kind of solution. Yeah. And um, so slowly what we did is that we isolated out in 2003 solution the uh, the part that had to do with orders, sales orders. Okay. And that took mm-hmm. care of that. But the stock management was still there in that old system. And mm-hmm. uh, that branched out. Uh, and the 1985 solution is, is a kind of a funny one because it needs to be in every store. And we have around 500 stores plus. Yeah. The... Uh, the web exposure, and uh, for each of them, there needs to be dedicated old school nineteen eighty five platform running. Uh, it's quite expensive to make that work, and so as you see, we try to replace this because there is the hardware is very specific and it's not it's not uh, easy to get hold of, and it's very costly. And this company is paying the vendors to build it for them. Wow. Um, so, it-
0: so kind of like a go back in time and rebuild this thing that yeah. should have died 20 years ago, but it's still ongoing. So a couple of questions on that. So um, this specific company, um, I remember uh, back in the 80s and 90s, the way that they did their ordering uh, was that they would send out catalogs to people because obviously, as you mentioned back then, uh, personal computers were not a thing in most households. So um, it wasn't like me just... Entering the URL and going to the website and uh, put stuff in the shopping cart and then checking out and uh, get those items shipped either to my house or just go and pick them up. So this particular system that was built back in um, 85, which I'm sure was uh, uh, extraordinary new age and, you know, um, breaking all these barriers of just handwritten uh, orders and things. Was it the system that was used internally? Because if I remember um, at the time you get the catalog and um, I don't remember my family ordering from the catalog, like picking up the phone and calling this company and say, Hey, we want order SKU number, blah, blah, blah. Can you send it to us? Well, various reasons at the time, the country I lived in did not have this company there. Um, I still don't think they have it there. Um, and the neighboring place that we used to all, oftentimes visit the neighboring country that did have one of these stores uh there um didn't ship to where we lived so if we wanted to purchase something we'd have to go to the store and purchase it do you know at the time if they did have this kind of like phone ordering system or did you still have to go to the store despite having the catalog do you remember that
1: so i, I think you, uh, it depends what type of customer you are because uh, mm-hmm. the um, um the ordering system has been there uh from the beginning a lot of people tend to call the company for various reasons but mm-hmm. or ordering as well but it was not common for uh private customers if you want to call it that
0: ah, i see to
1: okay. to order through mail orders or fa- phone orders something like that it, so it's it kind of more
0: like b2b b2b, sort of B2B like-
1: scenarios like ah. exactly okay. um a company starts out and they make a call hey we want 200 desks or something like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that would go gotcha. through that channel and they would probably have some dedicated person taking care of that mm-hmm. but it's funny that you touch on the catalog because that's also part of the system i spoke about okay it's it's uh oh we had an army of uh photographers and and you know editors i can imagine because uh, those
0: catalogs and, were big <laughs>
1: yeah and it's it's a project it was an army of people um, working uh, Mm -hmm. and in my early years we had a visit to that department and it was a journey of its own yeah Um, so yeah so all things are connected and uh, let's not forget about the restaurants
0: Uh, oh Right. Exactly. I mean, um, it's it's such a huge organization that I think there's like layers upon yeah. layers upon layers. And you and that's I had a small conversation last week yeah. when you were talking about transportation and trucks and things like that, too, which was.
1: Yeah. So there is wow. the, uh, there is the um, um, trucks that needs to be timed so that you don't put down big packages on the floor because it will occupy space and uh, yeah, you cannot move easily. So you have to make sure that you. Put down things from the shelf in the central stories Not talking about the stores, um, so that it can be packed into the um, uh, the trucks or the uh, uh, trains that would have dedicated kind of entry into the warehouse. A train would come in and stop, and it would be loaded with with trucks, uh, forklifts. And it needs to be kind of, you know, oh, they cannot put everything down on the floor for the train because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it also needs to be, um, uh, I mean, software needs to guide the forklifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one should go first? Which one should go second? What is going on top of what? So that you maximize the volume and packaging. Uh, everything costs money.
0: So this legacy system, well, at this point, legacy at the time, it was like shiny, beautiful new thing um, that was written in 85. Was it then only taking care of um, a more specific ordering things or maybe at the time and then it spread? How did that kind of evolve?
1: Right. Yeah. So I think it started by just being able to maintain the number of orders coming in to get a grasp of what's been ordered and who wants what. How much of, of this do we have left um, but then it slowly grew into a bit of a one tool for them all like one tool to rule them all but it, it was separated into smaller projects at some point where for instance the warehouse storage and volume was its own kind of thing still connected I think the solution ended up having hundreds of integration to various things, and all was orchestrated through this tool, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had different people working in different screens, um, doing completely different things. Let's mm-hmm. say, returns was working in it, uh, sales was working in it, but also stock uh, replenishment and all those, uh, and also vendor um, activities that you would have mm-hmm. for supply and so on. Uh, they were they branched out into their own projects, but then there was integrations from that to uh, the main uh, application to those uh, sub-solutions.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. So I think at the time, since um, this wasn't um, sort of a, so to speak, customer-facing system in a lot of ways, because um, still at the time, people would have to either come to... An ordering location or calling the orders even if it's b2b you still have telephones uh, i know the thing of a past that you pick up and you actually speak to somebody um so i can imagine even if there were hundreds of systems integrated with one another um, if you wanted to do maintenance or if you wanted to do an upgrade or something like that and you had downtime um, it's not so crucial um, in, in a, in a sense that, oh, the system is down for 24 hours because we have to upgrade or do something with it, uh, maintain it. It's not going to make a lot of customers angry, so to speak. But once the basically personal computers became more popular and people had them in their homes, and then you are able as a customer, as an individual customer, in this case, uh, to order things online and expect this system to behave properly, meaning back in the 90s, it's okay to wait 10 minutes for an order to go into process. Now people don't even want to wait 10 seconds because things have to happen quickly. And this system, as you mentioned, is still in place and it's still there is hardware that is being used inside of the stores as well. How do you manage the integration and downtime in this situation?
1: Yeah, so um, um, maybe uh, explain a bit more about where we are situated in, uh, situated in the world. Um, so the the, um, the project started in, in Sweden, in somewhere mm-hmm. called Elmholt, and it's a very small city, and it grew quite rapidly. So... Um, the downtime was not a problem as long as you were dealing with Europe. So we were scaling out to Europe. Everyone was sleeping at midnight and time zones are not so uh, different. It's this one hour difference to to London from, from Sweden mm-hmm. uh, and maybe one hour plus minus is not a big deal. So we had, uh, yeah, it was not the fastest comparison to today's standard. Uh, the fastest machines that, ran this solution so we had roughly six hours of let's call it batch processing mm-hmm. at after two o'clock a.m okay so it would run for six hours and sometimes that would break of course okay, and of course. Uh, what would happen is that then people will start to come into the stores and we would detect it at that point mm-hmm. and uh, um it, it is it's a big pain uh, when this is down because the queues are long and there are this back then we had cashiers um, doing all these transactions for people checking and scanning and stuff and the queue would be like very very long and they would be online with us Um, and the calculation was that for every hour Um, roughly 1 million euros would be lost in today's standard. Yeah. So you had that as a supporter, third line. You saw the numbers ticking. Mm. Uh, And
0: (laughs) and And blood pressure is (laughs) going up. Blood
1: pressure going up. (laughs) And everyone is kind of waiting for you to solve the problem. And there would be managers upon managers asking you questions while you were trying to solve a very difficult problem. So it it was... um, it was a f- uh, fun, uh, <laughs> at the same time, not so fun, but that yeah, would right. be, uh, but it, 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 it worked for a while. I mean, for Europe, that was not a problem. Um, we had no issues whatsoever, but then we rolled out to Asia Pacific. That is uh, Australia, Japan, mm-hmm. and then to the right-hand side of Europe, you have North America, uh we learned a couple of interesting lessons there uh one of them is that well you cannot uh, everybody is not sleeping at 2am uh, yeah. uh, that was one of them and uh, also that um, distances are different in North America
0: mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, of course um so in Sweden most things are in the same time zone but in North America you have the support being in one time zone, the central storage in a different time zone, the customer in a third time zone, and the backend solution in a fourth time zone. Mm -hmm. And all these had to work together and the batch could not run, of course. Mm -hmm. Just, we tried it, I (laughs) believe, but. I love that you tried it.
0: Give it a go and see let's what happens give it a go. maybe
1: this hour would work but no it was not a solution so i think that that kind of led us into this 2003 modernization era where the solution still had some dependencies on this 1985 solution and it's need to be there because we had to do integrations and it had a lot of features that the new solution did not have so some of the let's call it order flows would run through the old system but then uh, that system would be down
0: hmm.
1: at certain hours, and uh, we had to deal with that. Do uh, then we kind of built offline modes and a whole bunch of other complexities that um, we where we try to mitigate these issues. Um, and I mean, then back then, uh, uh, speaking of deploys and downtimes, uh, yeah. I don't think there was any. Good culture around deploying, so that you don't break the environment. It was just like, yeah, push it out and let's see what happens. I think it
0: was expected at the time that something's going to break, and
1: yeah,
0: we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right?
1: Right. So, I mean, people were editing in production. Uh, I remember <laughs> there, uh, and in in uh, in one specific episode, I have uh, done a very big. Uh, mistake and I still remember it and that was I uh, was trying to fix a problem in production by a bit uh, yeah it was a very bad one where I ordered 20 uh, I think it was beds or lamps it was like huge uh huge it, objects to, yeah. my, to my mother and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I sent it to the uh, uh, post office for the king, <laughs> king of Sweden. Uh,
0: oh, and it
1: was delivered to the um, post office of the king. And uh, they called up my mother and said, you, you have a <laughs> delivery. Yeah, you have a delivery. And it was. Uh, and uh, yeah, so. My mother was shocked. She called me. It's like it's it's from your company. I don't. I, what what is happening? Like, and I was like, oh no. And yeah, it was sorted out. And so then we learned.
0: I like that the whole process went through from ordering until receiving, and then exactly. the problem was detected. Then.
1: So it was, uh, yeah, it was a fun one. And so you learn a lot of patterns. Um, So we have different modes. Uh, I mean, this is very long time ago. Nobody does this kind of mistakes nowadays, I hope. Uh, But I mean, so some of the screens we made intentional that if you are connected to production, uh, we would um, put some kind of watermark on the application Mm -hmm. that would remind the developers, hey, you are in fact doing something in production production. right um nowadays i don't think we are that uh connected to production the same way we were before
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh so we've learned a lot of lessons and how to approach that um so yeah so at least we're progressing i would say
0: that's great (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the first part of our conversation. Please join me next time for the second part when we talk about Axon products and communication in large teams. Until then, I hope you have a great time and happy coding.